I'll be reading from two different passages this morning, one from Ephesians and one from Genesis. This is Ephesians 6, or Ephesians 5, verses 8 to 14. For you were once darkness, but now you're the light in the Lord. Live as children of light, for the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. For it is shameful even to mention what is disobedient to do in secret. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible, for it is light that makes everything visible. This is why it is said, wake up, O sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. From Genesis 3, verses 9 to 12. But the Lord God called to the man, where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And he said, who told you that you are naked? Have you eaten from the tree that commanded you not to eat from? The man said, the woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree, and I ate it. This is the word of the God. You may be seated. Good morning, church. As we made announcement about uh, Turkey and Syria, what's happening, uh, each day we hear uh, devastating uh, news. As of today, over 28,000 people have died and 90,000 people who are severely uh, injured. And the number is keep increasing. So we as a church, even though we have other projects uh, going on, we want to have this as a priority for the month of February, for our Korean ministry, English ministry, all throughout campuses, uh, we'll be asking our congregation members to pray, but also uh, to give designated offering as an emergency uh, relief fund. And everything that we do uh, through Sunday snack, um, cafe upstairs, uh, whether we eat or drink, uh, we want to be mindful of those who are hurting and all the profit will go uh, as a relief fund, so I want you to be uh, mindful of that. In light of that, uh, people who are serving in the kitchen and cafe, uh, we don't run restaurant here. Uh, actually, all of them are our congregation members. Uh, they're doing it uh, to volunteer, to really generate uh, missions offering. So uh, when you go, uh, please encourage them. If you can help them, uh, that'll be really encouraging and edifying for the body of Jesus Christ. So we took one week break last week due to uh, the missions weekend and coming back to heart uh, detox. So Pastor Chang Su and I, we are rotating half and half. Last month I preached first half and then he preached second half. And then I will be preaching today and then next week he will be preaching. So we're kind of going back and forth. And uh, today um, as a part of the topic, I'll be dealing with shame and blame under the title, Overcoming the Nature of Shame and Blame. I would like to open up today's message saying that shame and blame are the immediate responses of our sinful nature. Not just the responses, but immediate responses. 
Even going back to the book of Genesis, very beginning, the Garden of Eden, after mankind and his wife uh, took the fruit of knowledge of good and evil, the first heart response that they had were shame and blame. Genesis chapter 3, verse 7, after they ate the fruit of knowledge and evil, good and evil, they recognized that they were naked and they were uh, shameful. It is very interesting because they didn't really have a heartache based on guilt yet. Oh no, we disobey God. Oh no, we violated God's command. So rather than struggling with guilt, they struggle with shame. And also part of the natural response out of shame was blame. God, the one that you created for me, caused me to eat the fruit. It is your fault, God. It is my wife's fault. It is my husband's fault. It is the snake's fault. So very immediate response, shame. And out of shame, another immediate response is blame. So that shame and blame are the patterns. Not only in the Garden of Eden we find, but it is a pattern of our lives. The way we build relationship. It becomes a chain of our heart, emotion, mind, also relationship, worldview, which have shaped how we live our everyday life. But one thing that we have to recognize, unless we really understand and deal and overcome these two, the nature of shame and blame, it becomes a biggest stumbling block towards a freedom, gospel-centered life, and way we build healthy relationship with one another. So today's message, the structure is very simple. First, I'm going to talk about shame. Second, blame. And then how we can really overcome these two natures. So number one, understanding shame through spiritual perspective. Coming back to Ephesians Verse 11 to 12 says, Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them, for it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. When we sin against God, but also when we sin in life, there are two things that we experience internally, guilt and shame. And these are very natural things, guilt and shame. However, guilt may not be necessarily always bad. There are positive aspects of guilt. On the other hand, there's a negative aspect of guilt. For example, positive guilt is good because positive guilt will drive you to repent. 
Positive guilt helps you to recognize that you did something wrong so that you need healing, restoration. You need to say sorry. You need reconciliation. But on the other hand, there is a destructive guilt. Destructive guilt is detrimental because it destroys yourself, destroys a relationship with the one another. And then people say it depends on your self-image, whether you have healthy identity. So when you have healthy identity, when you feel guilty, it is positive guilty. So that out of positive guilt, it motivates you to reconcile and then restore your relationship. It helps you to say sorry. It helps you to really not repeat the same thing over and over again. But on the other hand, negative guilt is destructive, as I mentioned. And this negative guilt is very closely connected with shame, and shame is always destructive. Whereas a guilt can be positive, but shame is always destructive. And a shame will never lead you to light. In fact, shame will drive you to darkness. And shame will cause you to be separated from God, but also separated from other needed relationships. Shame will drive you away from true repentance. And yet many of us, we struggle with shame. Though we may not struggle with guilt, some of us, we have a hardened heart, calloused heart. Even though we sin, even though we violate something that is very, very important, and yet there are times there, there are people who don't even feel guilt. We may not even struggle with guilt. But when that is exposed, we feel shame. And think about like some of the news, uh, some of the people who have caused like serious crime. They may not necessarily struggle with guilt, but when they're exposed, when they're on camera, they want to cover their face with mask. They want to cover handcuff. Why? Because they're struggling with shame, not necessarily with guilt. I was once told um, by a close friend who is a professor in seminary in Korea, and they get a lot of pastors from a third world country or you know, people who really want to raise their next generation leaders. So they get pastors and evangelists uh, from um, like mission field in Africa. And the seminary had really informed them even through orientation, you're not allowed to plagiarize. You're not allowed to copy, right? It has to be your own work. So they drilled that from orientation and yet some of the pastors they don't feel guilty and they don't feel bad about pressurizing because that's the culture. Copying is very norm. So that even though they were warned and then they're about to be expelled, um, some of them will be angry and they will be upset. How dare you 
It's almost like we are entitled to copy, plagiarize. And in the end, uh, they say, you know what, okay, there's nothing we can do, but we have to inform your home church that are providing you scholarship, you know, supporting you financially, we have to inform them. And that's when they break down. Please, no, don't do that. So not necessarily feeling guilty about plagiarizing, but feeling shameful, being exposed. And I would say that many of us, we grew up in this shame-based culture. Uh, many of our congregation members were born and raised in North America. And even North America is a shame-motivated culture. But more so in Asia. And someone like me who grew up in Korea till the age of 16, you know, I graduated middle school in Korea. And I don't think they do that anymore, but in Korea, when I was growing up, it was really shame-based culture. I still remember when I was young, there is a naked boy walking around, crying, asking for salt. Uh, because apparently, uh, he had accident overnight. And the mother wanted to properly train the son and then being naked, kick him out and asking for salt and everyone was making fun of him and said, oh, he had accident. And then he was asking for salt and out of shame, he would say, I will never ever have accident overnight. When I was in junior high, uh, whenever we had a midterm or a final, our score or ranking had to be on the wall. Who was the top and who was the last? From top to bottom, there's a name. And there are times that when I did well, like I was so proud, you know, boastful. And there are times that when I was doing poorly, I feel in shame because it's not only my classmates will see the result, but people like even other classes, even other grades, they will pass by the wall the hallway, and then they'll look at the result, and then they will laugh, and then they'll make fun of you. And I thought it was like just South Korea, but then it was the same in North Korea. When our team went to North Korea, we went to junior high and high school. That was a top high school in North Korea in Pyongyang. And yet when we visited class, even on the wall, from top to bottom ranking, you know, they had a list of names. It's such a shame-based culture, you know, so that if you don't want to be in shame, you better study. Not only that, and the sales, right? They see the ranking. Uh, so you are in shame if you do a poor job. Even parents raise their children, you know, shame. How come you don't study as much as your older brother? How come you do terrible job or cleaning uh, unlike your older sister? So we shame our children, we compare them. It happens at church. We shame them. You're an elder, you're a pastor. How dare you not showing up to very, very important meeting or Sunday worship service? How dare you? So that we shame people, and many times shame becomes motivation factor for us to do better. But can you imagine when there's no 
shame, meaning everything is covered in the darkness. What happens? We lose motivation. Somehow we cover up. It's in the darkness. When no one knows our sin, when everything is covered, do we really run towards God with true repentance? When there's no shame, somehow we stop growing. We stop running towards God. Then how do we really respond towards covering? It is our human nature that when we feel shame, we cover. It is very instinctual and yet immediate, natural response. Look at what happened in Garden of Eden. Genesis chapter 3, verse 7. Then the eyes of both were open, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed thick leaves together and made themselves loincloths. With the thick leaves, Adam and woman, they tried to cover themselves. And this is what we do. What are some of our thick leaves that we try to cover ourselves? Lying is huge. We try to cover up by lying, denying. Even though it is true, even though it happened, we deny and we distort everything else. Sometimes we cover ourselves with a pride, perfectionist. I'm totally fine. I'm better than you. Workaholic. Pretend that we're always busy. Even though when you go home, you have nothing to do, and yet you tell your friends, like, you have so much to do at home. Pretending that you are doing something significant always. I remember sharing that response, and like, I remember when my wife was working at Tyndale for the first year, there was annual Christmas banquet, and she wanted me to go. So I went, and then it was just full of strangers. I didn't know a single person other than my wife. And yet, it happens that you know, she was talking to her colleague for like over 10, 15 minutes. I didn't know what to do, and I felt dumb just standing by myself. So guess what I did? I took out my smartphone and pretended that I'm replying back and I'm busy, right? Pretending, covering, pretending that we're busy, we're doing something. Sometimes our children can be our cover-up. Our job can be cover-up. I'm not feeling well. I mean, there are times that we really feel sick. And there are times that we don't do well. And yes, for some of us, that becomes our cover-up. And such cover-up or covering will never lead us into freedom and restoration. The reason why you and I, we need to be free from sin 
It's not because we are in shame, but sin hurts. It destroys. Benjamin Franklin said, sin is not hurtful because it is forbidden. But it is forbidden because it is hurtful. The very fact that you and I, we need to come to the light is not because we try to cover and then we fail so that we come to the light. No, we come to the light because we care, because unless we repent and restore, we are hurting our relationship with God. We're hurting our loved ones. We're hurting precious relationships. We're hurting our calling. We're hurting our community. We're hurting our community and society as well. And because we care, because we're hurting, that's why we need to come to the light. And yet oftentimes the reason why we're running away because we want to sh- uh, cover up. As I mentioned, healthy guilt will lead you to repentance. And yet shame, rather than feeling sorry, it always comes back to us and says, I'm a terrible person. I'm not worthy. I don't deserve. It leads to addiction, abuse, depression, hurting other people. Think about how many times that we have hurt our relationship with God. How many times we have hurt our family members. How many times we hurt our children, our parents, even ourselves more than anything. And that's what shame does. And yet what enemy wants is forever that you will stay shameful. That you are in the trap of being shamed. And not only that, you shame one another. That's what enemy wants rest of your life. Maybe today some of you are struggling with this trap of shame. So what happens when we feel shame? We try to cover. We try to lie. We try to stay in darkness. But when no longer we can hide ourselves, no longer we can cover up, what happens? That is the next, the next response exactly. We blame. Number two, understanding blame through spiritual perspective. Genesis chapter 3, verse 12. The man said, the woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me fruit of the tree and I ate. That's all I did. You, it's your fault, God. The woman's fault because you have created her. If I didn't have a wife, I wouldn't eat the fruit. And this is how we respond and react all the time. We blame God. If something happened, we blame God. God, how can you do this to me? How can you do this to me? Maybe some of you are in this state. You are blaming God, whatever that you're going through right now. Many of you are blaming your parents because my parents raised me this way.
Yesterday, you know, we invited some of our members and we're having a conversation talking about the way we are raising our children, you know, how to really have an intimate conversation. And yet, we talked about it. You know what? It's like that we never kind of received that with our parents. Like, our parents never ask us certain questions. And that's a common thing, right? But rather than blaming our parents, understanding, you know what? They went through that season. They went through that culture. And yet, understanding that, and yet being able to separate it and say, you know what, even though that is fact, how can we make, bring change? How can we grow out of that? And that is responsible human being's response. And yet many times we blame our parents, even after we're grown up. We blame our spouse. I get that all the time from our Korean ministry. Because my husband wanted to come to Canada. Because she wanted to buy the store. Because she wanted to move to a new house. Because she wanted to sell the house. Like buying and selling all about spouse. Or their fault immigrating to a new country. It is their fault moving to Toronto. Buying a business. It is my boss' fault that I'm not doing well. I get that all the time because my professor is so boring and dry. I don't do well in like certain classes. My math teacher is terrible. That's why I'm not good in math. I remember back in LA, like I received a phone call from one of the parents. Apparently, they bought their daughter, grade 12 girl, a car. Because parents are so busy, they work like seven days a week, no time to raise their daughter. So bought her car, that's wonderful. But apparently she had a car and then she decided to skip some of the classes and then go out for fun. And parents found out and they were so upset. And guess what they did? They called me. You are responsible. You are a youth pastor. How can you teach our kids You should teach our kids not to skip at church. And I was like, okay, maybe part of it is my fault because they're my students. I was like, well, aren't you her parents? And yet we think that it's church's fault. Same thing with the politics. It's like, oh, it's the government's fault. And the people who are opposition and say, and the people who are in power and say, it's previous government's fault. No one's taking responsibility. But brothers and sisters, is there anyone that you are blaming in your life? You hold a grudge. And you are blaming that person as if your life being destroyed and way it is right now because of that person and that incident. And because of that, you begin to have a resentment and bitter root. And that become toxic in your heart, in your mind, that shape your worldview and your decision making. Let me ask you this question. When did that happen? I literally asked the questions to someone and then he said, it happened 20 years ago. And still controlling your life, 
course and direction of your life, not only of your past, but your present and your future? Do you really believe in the power of the gospel? Do you really believe that God is in power, that God is servant, God reigns your life? Do you really believe that God guides your life? If you truly believe that gospel is real, the power to set us free, why we are still in the bondage of past and someone blame the 20 years ago, 30 years ago, and still controlled by a victim mentality. If the gospel has no power to set you free from that, maybe it is not a power of the gospel. Even though we say that we believe in God, maybe the God that you believe is smaller than that incident. God is smaller than that person, smaller than your background, smaller than your obstacle. So, Francis, blaming is the greatest obstacle and stumbling block of going through breakthrough. As long as you blame, you will never break through. I'm not saying, you know, just forget about it and move on. No. You face it. But down the road, the blaming itself will never lead you to healing and restoration. There are areas that we need breakthrough. Maybe some of you really need a breakthrough of your marriage. And blaming marriage will never help you to break through. Some of us, we need breakthrough from addiction. But blaming what caused your, for you to be addicted or abused will never lead you to. Some of us, we need to bear fruit, victory in our lives. The reason why we blame, again, to repeat, is because we don't truly believe in the power of God's sovereignty, God reigning over our lives, God's grace. Ultimately, because we don't believe God, we blame. I'm not saying black and white, any of us will blame. I mean, because I have also areas where I struggle with blame. If something goes wrong, it is my natural tendency is to blame something, right? Who didn't prepare this? Who did it wrong? But constantly, I need to come before the Lord. And rather than playing, I need to take a responsibility. That leads to my last point. Jesus took our shame and blame on the cross. We have to remember that Jesus taking the cross not only for our guilt, but also for shame. Many times we emphasize on sin aspect, which is guilt component. 
But as a natural response of sin, we don't just struggle with guilt, but many of us, more than guilt, we struggle with shame. But God knew, and God wants to set us free from shame. That's why when Jesus came to redeem us, he died on the cross and took our shame as well. Not only guilt, but shame. The power of the cross helps us to overcome and to be free from guilt, but also from shame. Jesus on the cross, he was naked and shamed. Why? Jesus was naked. He went through shame. Why? Because he had to redeem us. He needed to restore us from shame. So that no longer you and I will be in the trap of shame forever. The moment you and I, we may go through shame, and yet that will not be permanent. That will not be eternal. The one thing that we know when we go face to face, God in heaven, there will be no shame. We long for that moment, right? There will be no shame when we meet God face to face. There will be glory, there will be honor, there will be joy. But even now, even though as much as we struggle with shame, the power of the gospel, think about it. When Jesus went to Peter, Peter denied Christ and cursed on the name of Jesus three times. Maybe he was, uh, if he was like our culture, you know, Jesus, then it's like in front of other disciples, Peter, you think that you're a top disciple? How dare you deny me three times? Everyone knew. Don't lie. Don't try to run away. But Jesus never shamed Peter. Jesus wanted to restore him from guilt. So ask him three times, Peter, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? Restoring and processing about guilt but now we shame. Think about Adam and Eve. They were in shame, so they were covering with the fixed leaves and what God did in the Garden of Eden, clothing them, covering them so that they no longer stay permanently in shame. So that God and Jesus Christ their, the redemptive work of God, the triune God, is to set us free from paralysis so that we will no longer be paralyzed in shame and blame. Brothers and sisters, and that's what the cross means. In verse 13, when anything is ex exposed by the light, it becomes visible. What does it mean? There are times that you and I, we want to hide, we want to cover, but God exposed with light. Why? Not to shame us, but for us to take ownership and responsibility. But when we take ownership and responsibility, the bottom line, we can never take the burden on our own responsible but we struggle through it we agonize through it and finally we 
bring that guilt and shame to the cross. As much as we struggle, there's a weight of guilt and shame. We bring it to the light, we bring it to the cross, and Jesus takes it all. And that's when we recognize the depth of God's grace. Brothers and sisters, the cross is never a free pass. You know, like when you play Monopoly, there's a free pass from jail. Cross is never a free pass. A cross is a depth of guilt and shame where Jesus paid it all and redeemed so that you and I, we need to bring, rather than hiding, covering up, blame. And when we go straight forward to the cross, taking responsibility, then God takes that responsibility from us and we become free. That is the power of the gospel. So let me conclude today's message. Brothers and sisters, enemy wants you to live your rest of your life with shame and blame. Be paralyzed. Heavy burden. And you become slaves. You run away from God. Run away from other relationships. You hide, cover, stay in the darkness, and somehow you blame. On the other hand, the true transformation happens when we recognize our identity. Our identity that we are precious children of God. You are son, you are daughter of God, that God loves you so much to the point where he sent his only son, Jesus Christ. He took your guilt and your shame. And he took all the blame. Brothers and sisters, if you are children of God and you believe in the gospel, your life, yes, when you fall, when you make a mistake, when you sin, it hurts. But your life will never forever ruin. Because gospel has a power to restore ruined life. God wants you to come back to the truth of God. And let there be a turning point. Rather than living in the trap of the enemy. Let us break free from the bondage of shame and blame through the power of the cross. Let's pray together. Brothers and sisters, today we are taking communion. And as you prepare your heart, any shame, it is no greater than the power of the cross. If you feel like you are paralyzed by shame and blame, I want to just 
admit that come to the light come to the light of God first take ownership responsibility and saying Lord I'm a sinner I fall short I need you I need your grace I need your forgiveness I need the courage to run to you and let Jesus Christ hold you in this moment rather than blaming your past or background or someone deeply ask the Holy Spirit to really heal you restore you so that you let go of that blaming and you take that to the cross as well proclaim that God is bigger that you are a precious child of God your life will never be permanently eternally ruined if there is a power of the gospel God will give you opportunity to be restored and to run back to him If there's any sin that God is reminding you rather than feeling shame, let us bring with healthy guilt, Lord, I'm sorry. I've hurt you. I've hurt myself. I bring you with repentance. So let's confess our sins at this point. Lord, in faith, responding to the gospel, we took the body and blood of Jesus Christ through communion. May the power, the presence, will minister to our congregation members in our everyday life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's all stand. Now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, unconditional love of our God the Father, fellowship of the Holy Spirit be upon children of God. No longer we become slaves of shame and blame, but we come to the light to be set free, to live out victoriously with the power of the gospel as a children of light, now and forevermore. Amen.